Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. this past week of Lent been for you? Um, have you? Have you been able to hold on to the thing you've, you determined that you were going to give up to the Lord for Lent? Have you sensed any sense of being drawn closer to the Lord? I confess that this week for me has been one of the fullest weeks that I have had in a while <laughs> in terms of appointments, in terms of um, things I had to take care of, demands, responsibilities. And on top of that, I had committed to a spiritual retreat that involved daily sessions with a spiritual director. And it, it became quite a, a, re, a thing to fit that in. I, I, by Friday, I was quite out of breath, metaphorically. And yet, I was aware of God's presence, His goodness, and so I'm really thankful for that. I have spoken with some of you and, and heard about what's happening with you this week. And similar stuff is going on. The demands are great. In the middle of this busy life, though, God is at work calling you to himself. Lent, this period from Ash Wednesday up to Easter, it is a time to contemplate our weaknesses and remind ourselves that we are sinners in need of grace. It is a time to draw closer to God. And so we are using the book by Pastor Rich Velotis, The Deeply Formed Life, as a guide for us for this year's Lent. I was reminded of a prayer for Lent this week during that spiritual retreat written by Ted Loder. There are several stanzas, but I'd like to share the first stanza with you as a blessing and petition for today's time in God's word together. If if a written prayer is unfamiliar to you or feels odd, I just ask you to press through the discomfort of that and join me for a moment in prayer. Catch me in my anxious scurrying, Lord, and hold me in this Lenten season. Hold my feet to the fire of your grace and make me attentive to my mortality that I may begin to die now to those things that keep me from living with you and my neighbors on this earth. To grudges and indifference, to certainties that smother possibilities, to my addiction to sweatless dreams, to my arrogant insistence on how it has to be, to my corrosive fear of dying someday, which eats away the wonder of living this day and the adventure of losing my life in order to find it in you. In Christ's name, I pray for your blessing 
on this word today. Amen. Well, this week's topic is race, reconciliation, and formation. The main point that I hope we can agree upon in this moment today is that our spiritual formation, the transformation that is afforded to each of us through the gospel includes dealing with racism. Rich Velotis says it this way, the starting point for any Christian conversation on race must be the purpose of the gospel. The gospel we proclaim must be big enough to engage the realities of racial fragmentation. The cross of Christ isn't just a bridge that gets us to God. It's a sledgehammer that breaks down the walls that separate us. Now, here in this congregation, in many respects, we have plowed this ground and we have made significant progress. Some may have noticed if you visited our website first, we, we have a statement on racial justice on our website because of work that we as a congregation have already done in the past year plus. However, um, if you feel convinced and are saying, I, I'm, I'm tuned out because I don't think this sermon has anything for me, I'm just going to ask you to hang in here. <laughs> Let's hang together for a few minutes because you might be convinced, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's a family member or a friend that still thinks either racism just isn't a problem anymore or that this conversation is getting political here rather than something essential to living out the gospel. And I want to give us a foundation to be steady in this. So we're going to read a couple of scriptures. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. And I'm going to start in Revelation chapter 7, reading verses 9 and 10. And then I'll be going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. But first, Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. I'm just going to let that image sit there for a moment. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Reading verses 14 through 21. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer 
live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Again, my hope for today is that we grow deeper in our acceptance that our spiritual formation, our becoming new in Christ, includes dealing with racism. We just read from the Apostle Paul, we're no, we no longer regard each other from a human point of view. That is one of those statements that has, the, has a way of bringing in the idea of racism. Regarding people from a human point of view is something that in Christ we have been made new. And we don't have to do that anymore. It's exciting to realize that that's possible for us. But just like all areas of Christian discipleship, we have to keep growing. It's not a one and done. We will be challenged on this constantly, and we have to keep growing. God has called us to be reconcilers, to overcome and break down walls of hostility. And my friends, this is deep work. Thus the term deeply formed. It can't just be on the surface. So let us consider some of the beautiful fruit that can be experienced and shared if we are willing to do the deep work. I think I am visually seeing some of the beautiful fruit right now in front of my eyes. I see people of many different skin tones. I see people from many different places in the world. And that is some of the beautiful fruit that we can come together and be this little mini 
zoom in of that giant crowd in the book of Revelation from many, all nations, all peoples, all languages. You know, I think that's what we are one of the little, if, the, if you zoom in on that, well, look, here we are. And that is some of the beautiful fruit of this reality. Sandra Maria Van Opstel defines reconciliation as exchange. It, that, that the word reconcile and exchange come from the same root word. That to reconcile with another is to exchange perspectives, to learn each other's culture, to honor the other's lived experience. Reconciliation is expressed in hospitality, in solidarity, and mutuality. So for me, in my formation in racial reconciliation, it has required a dying to myself, a willingness to set aside my opinions and what I know. Sometimes I think I know more than I really know. And coming to terms with that is a reality and a part of dying to myself and then learning how to listen. And it's so vital that I've had to learn. Don't try to explain away another's lived experience. It's I'm not going to be able to get into examples of that today, but the reality is when you are meeting somebody from a, that looks different from you, let's just put it that way, and you are hearing their story, and you can't relate because that story has never happened to you, you can't therefore then just explain it away and say, well, you just don't, you're not, you're not interpreting life correctly. We have to be willing to do that exchange exchanging perspectives, hearing from somebody their story, humbling ourselves and honoring what they are telling us about what life has been for them. This is crucial to move forward in reconciliation. So we're going to do a little moment of introspection here. Rich Velotis offers some insightful questions that we can ask ourselves to help reveal places that we might still need to do some deep work, overcoming racial sin. And I want you to hear this, implicit racial prejudice infects all of us. Um, I heard someone talking in a talk, he was giving an interview about the reality of how does racial justice connect with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And one of the things he said that is a unfortunate result of the civil rights movement in America is that people came to understand how bad racism is, but then it became like a, the worst plague that you could ever admit that there's any racism in you. So, so that's where you get this, this kind of defensive, I, I, don't have any, I, I don't have a racist bone in my body. You know, that idea, instead of us coming to terms with acknowledging, actually, we all got one. 
We all got a racist bone down in there somewhere. And that is a part of the redeeming power of God in us to help us overcome that. I hope that's not bad news for you today. You're just going to go home and say like, well, it's hopeless now. No, that's the whole point. Through Christ, we can be formed and overcome. So for example, um, Rich Velotis, he recounts his experiences growing up in Brooklyn and the division that he just grew up with between the Puerto Ricans like himself and the Salvadorans. Um, I grew up in the South, in the United States, where members of my family casually and regularly would use the N-word to refer to African Americans. Craig's family of origin, my husband, he, he, they have roots in the Southwest, and they had attitudes towards Mexicans, towards Mexican Americans, and then also towards Native Americans. All of us have family of origin issues, cultural issues, ways that implicit racial prejudice works to infect us. No one wants to be labeled as racist, but we need to do this deep work. So here are the questions for introspection. I want you to just, I'm going to pause with each question. This is just for you to consider. Is there a particular people, ethnicity, or race that you don't trust? And why? Is there a, any particular people, ethnicity, or race that you or your child cannot marry? And why? What types of people cause you to cross the street if you are walking alone? And why? What, if anything, happens inside you? when you see interracial couples? Why? Now this next question, it's great to think about, although I believe the last two years of pandemic are gonna skew your answer on this one. But when was the last time you visited the residence of someone from a different culture or race? or invited the person to your residence. And lastly, what type of person would you most trust to invest or steward your money? And why? Honestly pondering these questions, it's a way to reveal the scripts and the narratives that have deformed us, meaning the old, and they can help us to bring that before God, trust him, trust the saving power of Jesus Christ to help us to be reformed, the new creation, reformed in Christ's image.
as we allow this transformation to take place, it is important that it find that, that expression of reconciliation with hospitality, solidarity, and mutuality. Now, I got to say, I believe this church is got the place of hospitality. We are a welcoming church, and I hope that our guests go away today believing that, because that is the truth of our being. We have been a hospitable place. I want us to make sure that we keep growing into this reconciliation, though. Solidarity is, again, when we begin to live out that scripture that says, weep with those who weep. We listen. We learn from those who have been marginalized or oppressed or mistreated in some way due to their race or their ethnicity. And we stand with them. We exchange places, walk in their shoes for a moment, and die to ourselves so that we can truly enter into reconciliation. And then the third piece was mutuality, expressed when we moved beyond the idea of accepting someone who is different from me. That is great. That's a, that's a great start. Accepting those who are different from me. Wonderful. But we've got to move beyond that and realize it's more than I, accepting. It's I need you. I need to hear from you. I need to know your insights on this matter. I need to know your opinions. I need to invite you to leadership tables. I need to have you involved. We must do more than just accept. We need to move to that mutuality of realizing we need each other. We need each other in order to more fully come to know God. Because each of us are made in his image and reflect a part of his image that without getting to know you and understanding you, I'm not learning that part about God. We're coming to the end. The obstacles to reconciliation and formation as it relates to race, are many. That has always been true. But the principalities and powers that are the evil forces behind racism have been especially active in recent years. An important aspect for us to recognize in our context is that reconciliation must include justice. For relationships to be fully restored, things have to be made right. So we're not able to plumb the depths of this this morning, but many of the conversations and the arguments that are happening in our nation regarding race, they hinge on this point. What will justice look like? Can we, can we move forward to get to the reality of justice? For those that are here, I'm not able to share much of this information on the internet, but I have a newsletter from the young woman that is in Russia, and she includes a, 
an experience that one of her colleagues had that related how what's going on right now has impacted around the world that a new hatred has blossomed forth towards the Russian people. The reality of division and, and hatred towards a person based on their skin color, based on their nationality, based on their culture, it just keeps being there. And our role as the people of God is we are not called to hate anybody. <laughs> we are called to love and to pray and, um, and to ask and plead for his mercy in every one of these situations. And so I just found that compelling, that that came to me this week as I was preparing this talk on racial reconciliation, that we have many, many issues right here in our own nation. And the, the, the entrenchment of attitudes, especially toward our history with African Americans and with Native Americans is disturbing. And as I hope that we can be a light that helps people see a way forward toward reconciliation. But it starts with us. It starts with the deep work within each of our own hearts. We are going to move into a time of receiving communion together. Communion is where we come to the Lord's table as his family together. And in our custom is we have the, the little... Um, disposable cups and uh, bread and so I hope everyone in the room got one does anyone need one are you all good are you good at home I hope you have your elements prepared but to lead into our communion time I want us to do another written prayer this is from the book of common prayer and it's a powerful prayer of confession if one of the questions tapped something inside of you and you said, oh, I might need to think about that. I want you to hold that before the Lord in this moment as we pray this prayer of confession together. So it's going to be on the screen here and I would like you to just pray it out loud with me. So let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The passage I read in Corinthians begins, either way, Christ's love controls us. 
another translation says it, Christ's love urges us on. And that's what I sense today in this moment, that Christ's love is what is urging us on. First Corinthians eleven twenty three says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you hold the bread, imagining the reality of what Jesus said, his body broken in pieces. And we are now called as his body to reconcile one with another and to give that message of reconciliation to those who don't yet know Christ. Let's receive the bread with a commitment to reconciliation. Receive the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. The blood of Christ is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is where our hope is today. Let us receive the cup. seal this with a song that says the kingdom is yours and I pray that you'll listen to the lyrics hold this moment before the Lord and and uh, come before him with your prayer at this moment Oh. 
in the Lord. 
I want to send you out with a blessing. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and give you peace. Let's go out in the name of the Lord. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcasts and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.